You're listening to You Don't Know Nick, the podcast, a podcast that explores the generational differences from Zoomers to Boomers as it relates to what's going on today. Enjoy. Hello, listeners. It's your new friend, Philip Matas, here to advertise in your ears. If you're looking for a good read, I would highly recommend a book that I wrote. It's called The Murderous Haircut of the Mayor of Bel Air, and it's a funny and exciting mystery, which is the first in my Psychic Barber Mysteries series. It is the story of Danica Lumen, a struggling hairstylist who also has secret psychic abilities. Normally, she touches the heads of her customers to see just what type of styles they want, but things go sideways in her life when she touches the head of a new customer and sees a dead body. The murderous haircut of the mayor of Bel Air has collected tons of five and four star reviews, and it would like to collect one from you as well. So just search for Murderous Haircut Philip to find my homepage and learn where best to buy your copy of your next favorite book, The Murderous Haircut of the Mayor of Bel Air. And now, back to the show. Live, and I'm finally <laughs> recording too. I realized I did, I got that all set up and wasn't recording. So. And if you weren't, that's okay. <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. It, it, well, we weren't even using that. I, I'm not like someone who like tricks someone into the show. I like to say hello, <laughs> welcome them. I now what I do do is trick people into what the show is about. Very, you're yeah. one of the few guests who will actually know what this show is about. Has oh, you come in with prepared preparedness? Though I have a feeling you are that kind of person. You know how to, yeah, you know how to like go with the flow, but like if you had the opportunity to be prepared, well, maybe I'm wrong. Um, It's probably a little bit of both. Sure. Um, I, I never, yeah, I'm probably a little bit of both. Uh, I was, this is a stretch, but I know you do improv stuff. I I was just going to say, because it's not a stretch. I don't think it's a stretch. Well, here's the thing. I think it makes thing. us, but like you know, biannual or whatever. Right, that's right. Audio. Sure, biannual. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I was gonna say I was never the type of improviser who could do the things where, like, oh, I have this character that I'd like to bring, uh. you know, or rec- if anything recurred in my any of the shows I did, it was either by accident or limited imagination. <laughs> so I didn't, I could not prepare in that way, but. I also did enjoy, you know, rehearsal and I, and I do sort of, I sort of think about things before, like last night I realized I was like, Oh my God, I'm going to go talk to, uh, talk to the show. I just like real quick threw on any episode of yours just to be like, I'm going to just listen to it a little bit just to like get the idea. Cause otherwise, seriously, it's going to be me just talking about, you know, Batman or something. The last thing I've heard about, you know, some random thing like that. That, uh, but that's my uh, preference because I get like I, but I get that too. So I, I admire. I, I think improv does change our brain a little bit. Oh yeah. That way, and and I think to be fair to yourself, had you gone to a school that focused on you better get a character, mm-hmm. you would have figured out characters. But I, but I wasn't drawn to that either. I, I yeah. have a couple. I have like a penchant towards 
you know, a saucy lady or, yeah, you yeah. know, if, if, it, if it causes, if Me it too. calls for it. Yeah. <laughs> but also we did a lot of narrative improv at my school. So oh. we would be dropped into a Tennessee Williams. So we're looking at archetypes more than okay. we were. Uh, I'm always the target lady, you know, whatever. Yeah. Like, and, and those are, those all have a time and place. Actually, you're probably more successful nowadays if you come from groundlings or something. But yeah. I actually talk about often how, Improv has made me ambiverted. I think I was always extroverted. Ambiverted. Yes. Give me a definition. I'm going to need a definition of ambiverted, but Both I like introverted that. and outroverted okay. at different times. You'll learn that I use. Uh, I'm really flexible with words. It's, <laughs> That's it's, a part of your schooling. It's I went charm. To, it's I went charming. to vocab improv school. <laughs> You're right. There's a whole school. I actually teach a workshop on it now. Uh, but before we get too deep into this, which we could talk about this the whole time, like I, I'm so grateful you prepared and you know kind of what happens on this podcast. And we do have something interesting to talk about that I'm looking forward to. But tell us what what the heck are you, friend? What the heck am I? Um, I I don't am... do the intro. I make it really easy for no, myself. No, that's right. Yeah. Uh, I am a human man living in the Los Angeles area. I'm that's not, from... that's not cre- <laughs> suspect- human, suspicious at all. Human, human American man. <laughs> um, <laughs> friendly, uh, <laughs> non-dangerous and non-threatening. Got um, it, got it. No, I, uh, I'm a writer and I've done all kinds of writing. Uh, I wasn't prepared to talk about myself. That's what I didn't prepare. Oh, um, no. But... That then see what'd you call it? Not ambidextrous, ambiverted, ambiverted, ambiverted. So all that stuff. I I did improv uh, in Chicago for a long while. I did improv in L.A. for a long while. Um, wrote scripts, wrote screenplays, wrote uh, like online comedy stuff. Wrote sketch comedy, um, a couple podcasts. But then also more recently, I've been writing books, uh, mystery books specifically. Um, and specifically about uh, a woman who is a hairstylist who has secret psychic abilities. And uh, she uses them to, uh, in her career, she touches the back of people's heads and she sees the hairstyles that they want. You know, because sometimes you don't want to tell, you don't want to admit to your hairstylist. It was like, I want a haircut like the animated version of Robin. So you have to like describe what it is. She can see it and she uses it to her advantage and everything's fine, except then one day she touches the back of someone's head and she sees a dead body. And then she's compelled to solve the mystery. And that's kind of how all the books start. And then they go in weird directions, like one's about uh, sort of the politics I made up about the rich people in Bel Air. And the next right. one's about, the next one's about, wait, what is the next? Oh, uh, viral video making. And then a band. And then I, I'm not going to say it's about uh, that major entertainment corporation that's based in Burbank and has a park in Orange County. Right. But it's kind of about that. <laughs> Got it. Um, yeah. So but that's, that's, that's what an opportunity to have commentary in a fun setting. Yeah. In yeah, a yeah. sense. Which I, I, isn't I, all Sherlock Holmes that, right? Or whatever. It kind of it is. It, to tell you the truth, I, I probably cribbed that from uh, from, of all things, uh, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, really? If, yeah. Well, that movie is, you know, those like neo Western, you know, super stylistic things. But... And I, I, I haven't seen it except for the. Okay. Yeah, of course. And that's well, it. it's it's set 
just after, I think just after, no, it's just at the end of the Civil War, of the American Civil War. Ah. And it takes shots at both sides here and there of like, what are you doing to yourself? Why are you doing this? I can't believe we're tearing each other apart. All while these two greedy mercenaries are trying to steal a bunch of gold. And so I, I you know, and you see it in other things. I think Sherlock Holmes does have that sort of stuff, but it's, it's, it's kind of nice to just be like, oh, I'm going to like, get in my opinions about this without while also t telling what I call like a low end X-Men story about a person who has very limited psychic abilities who can solve mysteries sort of. She's, she's little less on the spectrum of Jessica Jones. She's just like slightly. Right. right. <laughs> yes. Not, I, I, and also I put it together recently. Danica Lumen is her name yes. and Lumen L U M A N. Right. Uh -huh. But lumination. Yes. That was my so, idea. Yeah. So good. I love it when it's like, I mean, it's all, it, I, I played a character in one of my improv shows that I directed and oh, started. Um, wonderful. Oh, it's like, it's just so easy to talk about. Um, Annabelle Love was her character. And yeah. it, she was, uh, I didn't have, the, I, had, I didn't have the first name, but we looked up, it was, it was all cardiologists in the cardiology, uh, in cardiology wing. And okay. the show was called Heartbeats, which is so clever, I thought. <laughs> and it, it's just like super Grey's Anatomy, but and unrealistic because you wouldn't have this many cardiology, cardiologists in Los Angeles. But love, like, I mean, Annabelle Love, just, yeah. just enough plays on That's words. how it works. That's how that sort of thing works. And it's funny, I, I, now we should have been talking, we should have been recording about... That's just Before we started recording, we uh -huh. were talking about names, and I stole the name Lumen from... That's my maternal grandmother's maternal name. Oh, that's even more sweet though too. yeah that, that, but like, I, in but a sense I, it's not like so clever it's but in the best way it's organic right yeah i got really into there's all sorts of different forms of procrastination you can do with writing mm -hmm. and one is like the research and so i got way into the idea that was like okay so if she's from and i and i said her you know being born in the middle of illinois like i was a small town sure. in illinois so, so that like, way you don't have to stretch things too much right yeah I love so that. i was really into like her friends' names should sound like basically Johnson and Swanson. Like they should all be derivative of that. And so then I was just like, okay, so I need those types of names. And then just as I got to that, I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, my grandma Mary was named Mary Lumen. And I'm like, okay, that works. All right, sure. And then you go with that. So that's a nice way to, I appreciate the compliment. It was also a fall, like I just sort of fell into this. And then, yeah, then I justify it as like, Oh, it looks like illumination. So you get that little, what do you want to call it? It's not forecasting, but like a little bit of foreshadowing to be like, oh, yeah, she's. She illuminates. She yeah. is a light. Well, yeah. And I think as any creative can say or any project manager can say or anybody mm -hmm. who is a decision maker even, sometimes at a certain point you can over-research something and you just have to accept this is the name now. And like, <laughs> Pretty much. You know what I mean? So yes. we could sit there and go on a retreat and go, what is this character's name? And yeah. but, it, but I find it's like, a, for me, it's like a half- intrinsic half putting myself in the right situation to find something yes and it, as as we both have experience when you're in improv you don't have a lot of opportunity to come up with names on the fly i've wondered i've wondered oh, as i've been doing these i've wondered as i've been writing these books and these drafts and drafts and drafts how much improv has either how much is influence i was gonna say 
help. And then I thought, mm, hurt, but it <laughs> has, I know, Who but I know you? it has, I don't know, I'm covering all my bases, but, uh, I know it has influenced it definitely for that exact idea, which is like, don't get frozen by not making a choice. It was like, just right. make a choice. So right. now her name is this. Well, now that means I can fill in all the other stuff and be like, oh, well, it isn't a Johnson or a Swanson. It's one of these other people. And it's like, oh, okay, well, then that means this. And she might have thought that way. And that, you know, like all those little things. I even had, I've even had fun doing things like I had to figure, (laughs) because it's a mystery, I have to figure out when things happen. And so so inside, inside tip, it helps to know when things happen. That sounds like something I don't want to deal with. (laughs) But here's what, here's what was is oddly fun um i said it a little bit in the past so it's like the first book is 2008 Mm. and i wanted her to be i think 29 so then i had to retrofit to be like okay if it's 2008 and she's 2009 now that means she was born here and then i went back and was like okay so what movies would she be into and what music would she be into so this is a long story to say that one of her favorite bands is en vogue because that's how old she was at the time. And it was like, oh my God, that this is my favorite thing. And you know, like those are just little choices to be that I've, I don't know. I get, I get excited by hearing about anybody's favorite bands and music. So I was like, oh, I can do this for these people. And so I would, so I can, yeah, you can figure out everything once you make that choice. That's the advantage of making that choice to say like, this person was born here and therefore not assuming that they experienced everything, but here's some stuff that definitely happened. That we can all kind of agree on. That would influence them. And and I actually think this is expert level where you not only – you came to my podcast that's about generations, sort of, and brought up that your character is of a generation. Oh, yeah. That she is influenced by. So would we – she's got to be – what are we calling her? Geriatric millennial then? A (laughs) geriatric – I don't like to get into labels. Yeah, Um, yeah. I I don't – I don't – yeah, it's funny. I don't often think of generation like in the name like that. My my son's way into it. He keeps trying to pinpoint where I am on that. And I'm like, you go ahead. I don't it's not something I necessarily think about. Sure, um, sure. Uh but but yeah, I guess geriatric millennials. <laughs> That's about right. I only say that out of bitterness too, because I'm so cl- <laughs> I'm so close to it. But I'm still okay. I'm I'm I call myself core millennial. And to be fair, mm. um, this whole podcast sprung up because a I think it's my friend Nick who's on paternity leave. Um, just R.I.P. Hard- Nick. Exactly. It's- <laughs> And it's the second child. We'll never see him again. Um, but good for him. Uh, he, yeah, he right? just doesn't. He, he's cool. Oh, he's also in my improv uh, show. He's he's uh, Doctor Richard Ayub, <laughs> and he's my character's love interest. And he goes by dicks because he's a dick sometimes. Okay, sure. So, anyway, it's, this is our clever improv. That's skills. not. But think about it, like real quick. I'm, yeah, I'm no. Torpedoing your, ta- your your transition. Turn. But I feel like those type of things, especially with maybe creative people, maybe comedic people. I've done it now like three times during this show and you just did it there where it's like you kind of judge your choice. But then when you really think about it, it's like Darth Vader was basically named Dark Father. You know, like it's you don't get points for like redoing subtlety over and over again. There is a cleverness to just be like, well, this is his name. And like, yeah, his name's Richard. He's a dick sometimes. And like, yeah, that's fine. Great. You know, nobody, 
it's weird. We all have to care so much about this stuff. But then when people watch it, it was like, I don't think 90% of the world thinks about it at all. They're like, they, they're like, yay, that guy was hilarious. You know, like, that's I it. loved it. This was great. You're, I loved you're, so, you're so right, though, because he was even, he, he was a teacher of mine before like i knew we were buds like it was like one of those it wasn't it, you, did you go to second city that's my guess is that you went to second city i did not go to second city Whoa. actually uh no my real quick improv journey there's nothing me. there's nothing real quick about it we don't okay, have to right. talk about generations it's I all good. i'm just saying um, it's here <laughs> if we want to. uh that's such a geriatric millennial attitude oh! um, <laughs> no my my improv journey was was like this um I was a bit of a ham, but I like that ambervert thing. Where like right. I, I liked performing when it was the appropriate, like if there were stage a stage and I was invited on stage, I liked doing that. But I didn't. I probably wanted to be class clown, but I could never do. You know, like I can't interrupt the te- the teachers up there. <gasps> I'm down here. Um, <laughs> so, but like I did a little of it in. Uh, Okay, so I will make this longer because I think it is kind of funny. It's just, I'm, I'm thrilled. I really, this, honest, I'm just, I'm going to sidetrack us. I, first of all, you, I don't know how you're not a famous person because I think you're very, <laughs> you're very yeah, funny right? to me. I mean, honestly, you're very funny to me. You've got like a whole thing that I'm all about. And I really was just like, I could talk to this person for an hour and a half because we do a show that has yet to be released. Yes. That I don't know do. how much we could talk about it anyway, but we've met because we were doing a, a TTRPG improv yeah, based show. It's basically like a D&D version of a sci-fi show and yeah. Jessica and I got to make up our characters in in like the most detrimental to a sci-fi. <laughs> I feel like everybody involved was like who could torpedo this operation? That's my character. You're and that's it's good fun. Totally not wrong about that at all. That's and great. I, I love it. Everybody is that way. <laughs> we we all went that way. <laughs> so true. And 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 Asterios is the reason we're all together. Yeah. He, he it only embraces the chaos, which is wonderful. Yeah. And when I was doing a list of like, okay, who's gonna, you know, either take over the podcast with me when Nick never comes back, or who who'll fill the gap. <laughs> You, we'll you were high on the list. We'll inherit that. Inherit the tight. It'll soon be. You don't know Philip. That's what the show will be. <laughs> you don't. I, know. It's just easy to talk to you. I find you very Thanks. funny. I think you feel like you got like a thing. So I'm. Well, I'm let's here. Let's put just that to... to the test. So okay, great. So here's my here's my uh, story of improv for me. Uh, I saw like. I remember seeing Second City, like their tour co came to town and sure. my friends and I went to that and we thought it was great. And then in college- in a small town in Illinois. It was a very so small, yeah. Got it. I, I'm from Oneida, Illinois, which is the lar- smallest technical city in Illinois. And you have to be a city because you designate like, oh, we have a mayor <laughs> and oh. a few other things. But like there's 750 people in my That's it? Town. That's it. Wow. Um, I mean, like I, so my- yeah, it was a really small town. Um, so I went to the big city, which was Galesburg, Illinois, which was like all of 25,000 people. And uh, That's pretty big. It's that's a bigger. big jump. It's a big it's jump. Uh, uh, that's where I went to college and uh, at Knox College. Um, the Harvard of the Midwest. Um, <laughs> Isn't everything, honestly? Everything is everything. I think Harvard's the Harvard of the Midwest. <laughs> that's right. Um uh, but I went there and I joined their improv team and it was a lot of fun, but it was, it was like, uh, it was mostly just short form stuff. Right, right, right. And then I, I haven't thought about this in a long time. That's why I got excited. Yeah, I'm uh, thrilled. Then 
somehow I went to see comedy sports in Rock Island, Illinois, in the Quad Cities. It's the border of Iowa and Illinois. And I loved it. And I came back to the college friends and was like, you guys, you're not going to believe this. They did our improv games. But like at one point, they stood up and one character left the room and came back in like that was the level we were playing at because we were so isolated. This is the late nineties. So, I mean, dawn of the internet, but there's no YouTube and you hadn't right. really seen whose line. And even if you had it like, you know, it didn't quite click. So like when we did improv games, it was basically stand in a line and say something funny. And then when I saw yeah. it, I mean, it's the lamest epiphany ever, but I still remember that guy doing a scene and literally leaving the room you know like he it was like set in a dining room he got up and left and went to the kitchen or something and i was like wow <laughs> i and, and, and no that's that's makes so much sense though that would blow your mind especially yeah, with the you exposure. had no idea we had no idea so we eventually adapted that adopted that and then oh. i actually got to perform for that rock island quad cities group and i thought it was great it was so much fun and then again like hit a ceiling because somebody bought the uh truth and comedy book by del close sharna halpern sure uh for uh improv olympic slash io right oh and, i forgot about io yeah no well it, it, it's the olympic co committee sued them um well yeah and also they they got shut down out here so yeah they, that, like, that yeah that's all part of thing. that too so i so again like to our isolated world, this is now 1999-2000. Again, nobody, it's not like the prevalence of internet information. You don't have everything. So picture people reading a book on how to do improvisation. And that's how long-form improvisation. And that's how well it went. Like we couldn't... It was like handing someone stereo instructions that you'd clipped the pages out of order and also like the German part and then the <sighs> Japanese part. Like we all looked at each other. I was like, what the hell are we talking about? We have no idea. Let's wow. just do, uh, you know, um, good, bad, worst advice. Sure. Um, sure. <laughs> but then eventually I did go to Chicago and uh, I auditioned for Second City, but did not make the audition. Um, oh, interesting. So, yeah. Um, uh, even just to take classes? Even just to take classes. So here's, it, this is another part of it, too. That's so weird. When I did eventually, so then I eventually got in with IO. It, it'll be explained in a minute. When I eventually got into IO, basically because they took the money. Well, um, I, I mean, I was going to say, who doesn't <laughs> want money also? Right, well, but here's the thing, is my first year or not my first year the first level because there were six levels then you uh you're in there with everybody and i w continually struggled with the idea of not every line has to be a joke and like i just could not do scenes and i was eventually it clicked in and like in, i remember in level two near the end of that they had a part where everybody gave sort of like each other notes. Like, you know, here's a compliment and here's something to work on. Mm. And I got the most compliments of in the line of you have really improved since level one, which, which not that I was remarkable. It was more just like, Oh my God, this guy can finally. Yes. And 
Like he he is not just looking for the bit. He is not just taking the quickest, right. easiest choke every single time. And I was right. like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> so I there, something has yeah. to happen, right? We all have. Everyone yeah. has yeah, something yeah. to work right. on, and I, I think that's what I find interesting about improv. And it definitely was true. It illumined this for me. Ooh. Um, it where that's my insecurities. What? I said, that's a callback, everybody. I remember when I did that first during a theater, when I did my first real good callback during a theater sports show. And I was like, I remember afterwards, I was like, I did it, you guys. Because <laughs> I, I saw myself doing it in real time. You know, yeah. like sometimes things slow down. I was like, this is the moment. And it was talked about straws in a drawer that came up in a fucking scene that happened. Isn't it amazing you can remember it? Like well, I, I it still, sticks out. It's like the, the adrenaline. It makes it all real clear. I think. I, I I sometimes wonder if I just haven't done enough shows. But there's sometimes when I remember parts of shows, and they're not always great. It's more just like, oh, I let that go. You know, it's just a little thing will tick off. But it's weird that I remember them at all because I'm sure there's some people who just, you know, they've just done so much performing. And I'm like, oh. I can know what I did on this day. I'm sure it's, I think it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B. In And my theory is when you experience acutely recognizable emotions, you're, or, or they're at a heightened true. sense, you're going to remember them anyway. That and or afterwards, like, everyone, you just did that really cool. That was amazing. You were amazing. Yeah, or yeah, if you yeah. tanked really, or if you feel like you tanked. <laughs> yeah. There was a whole, my, a lot of my improv career was thinking I tanked for, you know, five years and, and so, making it everyone else's problem. I want to figure out a way to get this to hear about your history. But great. Let me get, no, well, let me don't get worry. Plus. We'll get there. Okay, great. Because <laughs> I'm still in Chicago at this point. Okay. I've gone through the classes at IO and done like a few other here and there. Now, in Chicago, it's it sort of prides itself, for better or worse, as being this like improv comedy world, right? Because... And it's kind of true, having done it here in Los Angeles and there, it is sort of true. And part of this could also be that I was in my 20s then and I'm in the city. And it's such know, a big part of it. In it's a, in such a, a big way. part of it. Totally. But but it there was just like a street you could walk down and it felt like every third door was either a theater or a place where people were rehearsing or a bar that was cool if you just performed here. And it was just like, oh yeah, and you know, and Wrigley Field's right there, but then it's like Improv Row down this way. Um, and so in doing that, you had this weird little community that like was very like loving and protective, but also like sheltered in a bit. You know, it's oh, a, yeah, I think totally. it's a Midwest like a thing. Yeah, yes, it's a total bubble. Um, but the best fucking bubble, and everyone's <laughs> sleeping together, and it's great. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's oh, so much sharing, drinking, and everything. Um, <laughs> so I did that for a while. I I think, yeah, I did get on a team at IO, mm. but that was notorious. And I know uh, IO West had this also, but the, <laughs> the one of the scariest things at io chicago was the schedule and the schedule came out every quarter every three months Whoa. and it told you a what teams were on the roster what teams weren't and it also told you who was on what teams Whoa. and it was it was kind of all guarded uh, guided by a few people and you know because this is your whole world everybody thinks it's the end of the world but i mean we're talking about 
an improv show. So how important is it to the very it's, it's, yeah very very, very. i'm 26 <laughs> um <laughs> i know um eventually i actually dropped those shows to do sketch shows which my friend mike which and io I, does as well that's right well or, or they, does not. they I, we actually did some there uh but it's primarily this all ties into like the style of improv too because io is very much like we are building art through a group mind mm-hmm. right it was like it is it is about this it's not about cheap jokes it's not about like your marketable snl character packet it is about we are making a 30 minute play that is happening before everyone's eyes so it wasn't the herald like ucb it, it is the herald it is the herald okay. it is the herald so ucb i think in my opinion ucb basically figured out how to do the like game of we are we are the pinnacle of artistry that can also be marketed Ah. (laughs) and io is like we are the pinnacle of artistry (laughs) please come to our shows Uh, (laughs) you know they're just like and and maybe it's just different vibes for sure yeah but maybe it's just the way it shakes out but i mean like one of the founders of uh, two of them are like you know, comedy mainstays now with like Amy Poehler and Matt Walsh, you know, it was like, they're, they're in everything. And you know, Amy Poehler from awesome shows. And you're like, yeah, no wonder people want to go to her freaking theater. She's 100%. amazing. And her thing is this. So like, that's great. Um, So I eventually did sketch shows with uh Mike Patet, who you can also hear on the night shift of the show that we're on. Got uh, it. He, he is the pastor. Okay. Um, he, he and I uh, formed a two-person group called Superpunk, and we did sketch shows around for a while and uh, wrote different things. And we eventually wrote something that brought us both out to Los Angeles. Now, this what is do a long. You mean? Imp- what do I mean? Well, how did it, like it flew oh. you guys on a plane? How did no. it get you out to Los Angeles? <laughs> we improvised our way on a plane. Um, <laughs> no, we uh, we sketch wrote our way out of a plane. Um, we actually wrote. Okay, so how did that go? Oh, so a bunch of people who thought they were cool in mm-hmm. the Chicago improv world. You were judging yourself so hard. Well, I'm judging the people who brought us in. <laughs> okay, great, um, great, great, great. Okay, great. Never mind. Well, I was going to say, I'll I was going to say, up. a bunch of people who thought we, they were cool and awesome, 90% men. Uh-huh. Um, oh, I got it. That was a <laughs> real joke. Imagine, got it. imagine an improv comedy. No, anyway. Impossible. Um, <laughs> were they all wearing flannel? <laughs> they were all, there's so many caps. <laughs> um no they uh th- they decided let's just pool our resources here because we have what we think are talented people so let's film some sketches and mike and i submitted some and one uh that we submitted uh got made and they actually animated it and they made it into like a short film about a time traveler who can't get the time right like he keeps going back to the wrong like he's either five minutes early and he has to go back and he messes up the AM, PM and all that sort of stuff. Cute, cute. And eventually that, it, like, we submitted it to, like, a couple festivals and it, you know, got some attention there. And then we sold the idea to, I can't even remember the name of the website, but it's one of those, like, picture 2005 when everyone was like, we're going to make the next comedy YouTube thing. And we have no idea what we're doing. And we have one celebrity and we're going to do it. And here's a zillion dollars to spend on all these people. And nothing <laughs> comes of it. Um, 
but that was the script deal that Mike and I had that brought us out here that we thought, oh, we could probably do this. Oh, that's um, very cool. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, that's um, something. That's not nothing. No, yeah. The odd thing is that since that didn't go, that direct thing didn't really go anywhere, um, I started doing improv again and at IO. And it was weird for me because in Chicago, which I was like, that was my home. Um, I never felt quite part of IO. In LA, I felt like I was part of IO. Wow. And I wonder, I wonder sometimes how much that is the fact that there's a lot of, uh, you know, ex, you know, former Chicagoans who just go through there, you know, it's a little bit familiar, but like the team I was on USS rock and roll, um, was, like half of it were Chicago people, but not Chicago people I knew. Huh. So they are my LA friends, even though we all existed. Have kind the of like, same, like, yeah, shared like we all kind of have some of the sh- same experience and we could all talk about, you know, when we went to eat at salt and pepper on the, you know, all that sort of stuff. But like, I couldn't tell you where I saw these people first <laughs> entirely. Um, but yeah, but then I, but then I did that uh, for a good long while. And then, and, and that's, and, it, and that brings me to the thing you said about it closing down. It was like, that was that I was really sad about because that place was sort of my improv home in Los Angeles. I didn't, I didn't do UCB partly because I was older and I'm like, I don't feel, I don't think I can do classes again. I, um, I totally get it. Yeah. I, I feel, I feel the same way. I, you I, have to, if anybody's listening to this and they want improv career advice, you have to do it. Mm. You, it's, Okay, you might not have to do it, but I would strongly recommend that you at least find a way to network yourself into those successful theaters. And one of the ways to do that is to do the classes. You're not wrong. I think I also really just don't want to. I really just don't want to do it. And but I that has say, more to be that has more to do with me being, you know, in my 30s when that was happening, right? There was like when I was in my 20s, I took I did everything, you know. You try like, yeah, everything. I try to clown We're sleeping class. with everybody, we live all down this. What did you say? Whiskey is my blood. <laughs> uh the worst part is though, you're like 20 20s. I was going on 30 when I started like really heavily doing improv where so it was like I even felt old doing it there. Sure. Or like I think it was more regretful that I didn't really get it sooner. I think I was just mad that like I could have been, and I know I don't actually live with a lot of regret. I'm really good at that, but I just wished I was just a little bit younger. But, but in reality, always right. The people I was learning from and the main company of my school, they were fifties for late forties, early sixties. It was actually a school that, that while their diversity was really low when it came to people of color. Gasp. I am shocked. Shocking. Um, their age and um, sexism, ageism and sexism problems were on the lower end. Hmm. So it was like okay. half women, half men. Okay. Um, or, you know, That's, half. That is something. It was something, and it and it felt like it too. And women's opinions, for the most part, were valued. And I didn't. Hey. I never. I never really did the. <clears throat> I didn't get the experience that a lot of women have, where you're the only one woman that's yep. allowed to be on the group, or whatever. And it, again, it was never explicitly said that way, but it was no. implied. Well, right? it's the thing. It's the thing that I I think a lot of people have probably reckoned with, especially 
white people, and especially in the last couple of years, when I think back to those theaters and how basically white they were. And I remember people trying to think of ways to basically be more inviting to say ah. black people or non-white people. And the answer is kind of paradoxical, which is like, you're not seeing the problem. The problem is with this many white people, it is historically not inviting. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> it was like, yes, it is tense for those, for those people to just be like, yeah, come on in where, you know, there's no rules here. I'm like, well, no, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> totally. Uh, yeah. And it's, it's been, it, it's, it's something that I've, I've kind of grappled with and, and, you know, still trying to like bark in people's ear and be like, I don't know how you do this, but it's partly, you just got to get up, get the hell out of the way somehow. You got to just, it, there's, there are way as speaking as a group, so I, 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 I formed a, I didn't form it, but like an all female group came out of the school that we went to. What is um, this school? Can you contractually yeah, not say this? Is this no, school show going to drop soon? Or I'm trying not that? to take over your podcast time. So but I want to hear, but I want to hear because I was, I was in iOS primarily, but I had some experience and friends who went, you know, different theaters and different things like that. So I'm curious what. And I'm curious if you know it, because most people that aren't in the improv world don't know it, which is okay. fine. Um, but it's impro. Impro theater. I don't know it. Okay. I've, Where would it be? Where is it? Uh, our, our our school is in Los Feliz, and I don't go there anymore. But okay. um, I hmm. saw uh, on Vermont by the – are you familiar with Los Feliz at all? Yeah, a little. Uh, where the bur- – the. Uh, you know, a Barnes Doll Park and uh, Vermont and the Bank of America. And oh, yeah. Okay. Rockwell. It's across the street from the Rockwell. Oh, all right. You would never know it's there. It's a shitty hole in the wall, inaccessible black box. But they also, the main company is like performing at the Gary Marshall Theater right now. They're doing their okay. Jane Austen improvised. And I I have driven by that a million times. I know exactly yes. where that is. Okay. Yes. Wow. Great. So okay. they, they got... You know, they did the bra, uh, the broad several times over. So they, 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 that's their bread and butter. They make a lot of money. And then they have a school teaching nice. us how to improvise. So where you got the Del Close book, my teachers got Keith Johnstone. And they were, they were like doing um, theater sports with Wayne Brady and Styles and all those guys. Mm-hmm. And then comedy sports steals theater sports because basically they didn't want to pay Keith Johnstone for the <laughs> TM for yeah. real. <clears throat> whatever it's politics i have nothing to do with i and i did i learned short form too by a couple dudes in college who wanted to continue the improv class that they taught uh-huh so that and that was kind of fun like <laughs> learning how to improvise because of those guys and, and when right. i was like 19 i actually yeah. went to chicago <laughs> to be in a festival when i was like 19 improv fest chicago yes, improv nope fest? We got oh. denied from that one, but someone threw another improv festival for all the rejects. Wait a second. What year is this? So if I'm know? 19 I t- I, and I'm 36 now, what is – I'm almost 36? Oh, I'm going to go to the there? Excel spreadsheet here. Did you make fun of me this year? No, 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 no. But if you're – wait. 36 minus I, cr- I couldn't tell you. It would have been 17 know. years ago. 2005. So I would have probably – that was – around when i was there was this at io no no i don't think so 
but it's but here's the thing i don't mean to judge that thing but i was just recently making a similar joke with my wife about that type of thing so like something or other was happening with the this is a long story no the, the school the school that my son goes to is a private school in the valley and by virtue of being in private school they have a zillion fundraisers and uh-huh. and like they have a prom theme and and something or other, we were complaining about like, oh, they made this prom theme that way. And then I made a joke. I was like, well, if you're from where I grew up, what you, you know, like you and your bitter friends would do is you would start your own prom. And then you would like make like, you know, this is for the people who didn't get in. And so I'm laughing internally because I'm like, that so tracks with like some sort of indefinable Illinois bitterness. It was like, you know screw you, New York, we have our own pizza. You know, that kind of attitude. Oh my God. And, yes. And that's, and I- You fucking I, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I mm, this is going to drive me crazy, but I, I feel like I remember what this was. And, okay, here's the yeah. thing. Maybe okay. this will help you because yes. I'm going to have to, I'm trying to look it up right now too. <sighs> they <laughs> invited us to perform and I'm going to tell you, we weren't good. To make fun of us. So like what? They, they judged us. And they're like, oh, you guys should really be called shapes and sizes because all of you are different f- weight and height. Like, oh like they, God. we got fucking oh. torn apart that on stage. sucks. And I think that that's what it was. I think that they took the rejects. And wow. That's what I, maybe I'm a little bitter. Oh, <laughs> uh, you should be. But that's- I. I remember feeling horrified afterwards. Absolutely. There's a weird thing with improv. It's not specific to improv or not unique to it, but there's a weird thing that I experienced, which is the kind of like gatekeeping around absolutely nothing. And the idea that was like, and and I I don't, I, I feel this is okay, whatever. Um, no, please. I, I don't like just monetizing everything, but I mean, literally in improv, if you're an improviser, you are not making money. That's not like right. your thing. Um, you might find a way to use it, to do it, but it's like, except for somebody like Wayne Brady, who, you know, is fantastic. And then hit the lottery three times to get on this show where he's incredible. It's like, that is the absolute exception. The rest of us are just like, we are just it's table the gym, As some yeah. people say. Yeah. Yeah. And so it, but at the same time, you would think that that would give the people in those communities some grace towards what is essentially kids doing a show, you know, for also no money. But instead you're like, Who well, flew themselves out there. What I'm going to do is I'm going to tear them down because I'm king of nothing. You know, and I, I, yeah, I, I'm sure, I'm sure at some point I have rolled my eyes. Oh, I'm, I'm saying I'm sure like I'm qualifying. I've definitely judged and mocked people, (laughs) but, (laughs) but I also recognize like that tendency in that community of just like, man, we're just, we are just like dogs fighting over the same like empty bone. Like, what are, why are we doing this? Just, just please either enjoy this 10 PM on a Wednesday show or leave, you know, like nobody, 
nobody needs this. Why are why are you doing this to each other? Well, and they're doing Weird. it because they were also picked on in high school, uh, and now yeah. they're the, the top dog. You know, and and the top dog of nothing. That's the point. That's is very funny. They're the top dog of absolutely nothing. But but pretty much in general, like everything's imaginary anyway. So you, <laughs> yeah, sure. Right. Maybe money, but still, like if you have money, you don't need to. You don't. You shouldn't need to kick someone in the dirt. No, I. But there's no, there's like, there's nothing to compete. There's no, there's not even like a trophy. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing. And (laughs) and it's weird because like the principle, like, and such an acolyte here, but like the principle of it is that you were building a show together. And I, I I don't think I, I did not coin this, but like you in improv, in any comedy, but in improv especially, you are building it with the audience because the audience is sometimes telling you where to go and what to do and what they enjoy. So it's all a communication. So if part of that is the audience saying, you suck, and we did this as a joke on you, I don't know, man, that sucks. It was brutal. It was brutal, and I was too young to process that and yeah. and not go, fuck you guys. Yeah. this place is two feet, you know, whatever, like, or or like at least handle it with grace. I just remember like probably crying afterward or something like that. But Um, don't you wish? Yeah. And it's funny because we were talking about like the, the shows that we remember, that's the type of thing that like me driving to go get groceries one day will think of the zinger I could have used against like on stage. Oh, because I've seen the pros do that. I, I like hecklers and, you know, drunks or whatever. Like, I remember distinctly we were doing uh, a cage match show where it's like two long form acts at midnight. Oh. And, and the winner, the winner gets to come back next midnight. And <laughs> woo! Um, but we were doing a show and, and ours was pretty good. Uh, but there was a guy there who was drunk and was laughing way too loud and also talking whatever. And during the next show, he was still doing it. And one of the guys in that second show got off stage and joined the drunk guy and also talked to his team. And it was, I'm telling you, Jessica, it was the exact moment I turned to my team and said, we lost. It's like they won. Cause that's, that's what it is, right? That's the, this is reality. And we're all, everybody can hear this guy. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, we needed that guy at your show to be able to be like, Oh yeah. We're totally going to book these guys for a, you know, I can't even come up with what the, the zinger is the like, scenario oh, in our, is in I, sh- <laughs> you guys are bitter right <laughs> bitter lifeless husks. if it was today i'd probably just flash them be like you know what guys is this <laughs> what you really want like I, I don't know what else to do or like leave i don't know it, i would man, have left sucks, well it's oh uh, you know what i probably would have been like like that guy i don't know i i'm so much Ooh, there's so many different levels to talk about this on. Yeah, if you want to do it, I'm all for it. But I, I, I oh, I'm excited to. I at least want to apologize for the. I feel like the community that would allow that because I definitely ran into that strain. I ran into it a little in LA. You know, like you, you find it with actors. You and sure do. You. But, but it is. I actually okay. So I remember, uh, there is a group. Uh, they were an all women sketch group from New York called Meat, M E A T. Funny. And they came out and did a show at Comedy Central, which was like the thing that sketch groups did 
they did it at the Comedy Central stage. Yeah, and, and we have Mike, one out here too. But yeah, that, that's exactly where it was. Oh, um, oh, oh. And so Mike and I did one that was not very successful. Um, and then uh, like a year later, uh, these friends of ours from Meet came and did a show. And they like, they got the house packed. They did great. And my first instinct was to be like, Ugh. fucking bitches. You know? Yeah. Fuck them. I can't believe. And then, and then I actually told them afterward, I apologize for not like something I didn't even say to them, but I said like, I recognize in me this like little man, right. To say like, Oh, you know, yeah, screw them. But I was like, but you guys are great and you're my friends. And honestly, if I want to be callous about it, it was like, if you guys are successful, it helps the rest of us. So I really hope this goes great for you because why would anybody gain something from tearing down? Ah, oh, I'm still back on this, Jessica. <laughs> it's like a group of 19 year olds who flew themselves out. Like, yeah, we showed them. <laughs> what a bunch of assholes. <laughs> it, 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 at the end of the day, I'm doing really well. And sure. But, I, but you're, I think it's so, I don't know if brave's the right word, but I think it's so honest of you to be like, I also was that asshole because I also know that I was that asshole too. When I stopped, when I really, I, I, I was living out here. I'm from LA. I was in the place where you want to be mm-hmm. in order to pursue the things I want to do. Yeah. But because I was out here, I didn't have the same like, fire under my ass to like go accomplish that sooner but that was really an excuse to be to like to make it so that the petrification i really yes. felt Hesitate. was okay i was so nervous to be in this career which yeah. is really why i didn't start doing improv until i was 29 because i didn't start doing this career professionally professionally until i was 27 right and that was because i lost the job so up until that maybe yeah shortly up until about the age of 27 I was very bitter at people's successes. I was very unhappy to the point where I hated Scarlett Johansson and Zoe Deschanel. (laughs) These national treasures. Yes, I know. And these bitches, I don't even know. I'm like, they're not even talented. I I hate them. I've got a story like that too. I can't wait. In my level one, this is my name droppy thing. Love it. In my level one and level two class, uh, I did those with Jordan Peele amazing who was i would be bitter too who was who was good Uh uh-huh i'm not gonna say in those moments great mostly because i don't like their level one classes how awesome could you be he was also now i think about he was also at the second city audition that i did not get in i believe he probably did because you can't miss everything but he was in level he was in he was in level one and level two the same time i was and then i remember he did a sketch show, two person sketch show. And I went and saw it and I thought it was funny. Um, I still remember one bit, which was set in the civil war. And, and, and it was all about how it was like, you know, it was, uh, you know, in the civil war, uh, you know, uh, black Americans and uh, formerly enslaved people rose up to fight the Confederate, the Confederacy except one. And then he was there in, in grays for the Confederacy. I don't even remember the lines after it, but like that image is fantastic. It's And, and how it's like quintessential to their show, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. The, the, right. the subversion of it all. Right. And you, yeah, you could see the formation of, it, right. So, so he was in that and then, but I remember, you know, very much again, just being competitive or being an a-hole. 
uh, Mike and I, especially, uh, there's, I feel like sometimes there's a reason we were a two person thing. It was like, we couldn't get a whole lot of people to be with us, <laughs> but, but we also, we had a, comp- a competitive nature about us where we're like, what about sketch shows? Did we not like that? We wanted to avoid sure. what did we like about them that we did want to do. And so, and so we tried to like, and there's a they, healthy they, amount of that to be fair. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, it's also, uh, connective tissue that's how we met Asterios we submitted things and he was working at that comedy central oh my god he was working at that comedy central thing and he saw our tape so that's how we that's how we met him yeah so anyway Jordan does that and Jordan Mr. Peel does that Mr. Peel and then I think he did he did like Turco or you know or Boom Chicago or one of these things whatever and you know then his career kind of like it go it definitely goes up but you can't believe it's going to go even higher. He like, but I can't, I forget why we got on this topic, but then years later, getting bitter, being bitter about Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Being, being bitter about it. So like years later, I like, like I said, I sort of recognized or grew up or I don't know what recognized that about myself. It was like, you know, it's just, it's kind of amazing that this person, you know, was like on mad TV. That's awesome. Because that's where he was at that time. And then I always remember this one, like the last time I ever saw him in person uh, was at IO West. And it was after he'd been on Mad TV and he had just released, uh, I think it was for Funny or Die or something. He had just done a bunch of Obama impression videos. And the, the bit was that he was he was delivering information with uh, with cat videos underneath it. And, and, I, and this is the same time that uh, I think Fred Armisen was doing Obama on SNL and there's a couple of people, but I saw him and I got to sincerely, you know, like he recognized me and oh. then, and, and, you know, we just chit chat a little bit and I got to tell him, it was like, your Obama is like one of the best. It's, it's maybe the best out there. And then I was then like the next time you saw him is when key and peel started. And then they like cracked the code on that where it's like, what if we put Obama with this angry guy? Yes. And then that became that. And so then, yeah, then you're like, Oh my God, this guy I know who now I'm sure would not recognize me. Like, I, that's probably not true. Well, I mean, well, I don't know, but I, at least one day when I got to go to the movies, it was movies I, that my wife did not want to see. And I'm like, am I going to watch Split or am I going to watch Jordan's movie? I guess I'll watch Jordan's movie. And I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. <laughs> this is incredible. I can't believe this. And so, yeah, there is, I, the long story short is that there is something to just like just support people and get yeah. out of their way and don't hang on to bitterness. Cause what difference does it make? There was like, I could have sat through get out and with my hands folded and been like, <laughs> which would have looked great. Be like the white guy watching get out be like, Oh man, everything, everything works out for this, for this guy. Um, you are could not you watching, you are not watching the right movie. The layers, um, the layers, the layers are terrible. Um, but yeah, but instead just like, yeah, it's fine. Just please support. Just support. I, I it's it is a hard one lesson. I think the comp- I think you're right to like be like we're competitive in general. Um even even though this is nothing and it's it, you're right there's no <laughs> bone in the bowl. No. It, there is some sort of pride. First of all, I knew the feeling that improv creates before I started doing improv because I was a singer songwriter for two minutes mm-hmm. and I could, 
I'm a very good singer-songwriter. It's like a tradition in my family. My grandmother wrote for Motown. My dad w- regretted having children. I know. Because he wished he would have done music instead. Wait a second. What did he write for Motown? My grandmother. Um, she wrote, what did she write? Oh, sorry. She wrote um, like B-sides for – well, she wrote a lot of songs for Dusty Springfield. She okay. wrote B-sides for the Jackson 5 and Michael Jackson. Apparently, Heard of them? Yeah. Uh, apparently, Smokey – nope. Yeah, well, Smokey Robinson cried when she found out that she had died, apparently. And wow. Stevie Wonder knew her by her footsteps. And That is uh, freaking kinda, poetry. It's cool. And oh my apparently, God. Okay. she says – that uh, she said that um, the beat track was stolen from her for I Will Survive, that she never got the credit for it. <laughs> That's cool. amazing. Yeah. She, I, I love it. It's, it's a very, it, she's a, she was a cool woman. She, she had all figured. So her story is too, she went in, the way she probably got brought into a meeting is mythological, but she did have a meeting with a guy who was like, you know, one of the main guys at Motown who I couldn't even tell you what his fucking name was. Not and the he, not the main guy, but the other main guy. Like, yeah, there's like three dudes that have main names. He's one yeah, of them. Barry and Gordy and not Barry Gordy. Not Barry Gordy, but like she knew Barry Gordy, obviously. So like yeah, the, right. like you you could basically Barry Gordy would come in and go, uh, change that note to that note and he'd get writing credit or whatever. That's just how mm. That worked yeah, sure. out there. And she, you know, she's on writing credits with three other people on other songs, too. That's just, like, the, that was the culture. But yeah. anyway, she meets with not Barry Gordy. Or fucking just Barry Gordy. I don't think so. But Larry like, you know, Gordy is Larry Larry Jordy LaForge. Larry Jordy. Larry Jordy is You should change that name. You should probably just change that to, what about Barry Gordy? Barry Gordy. I love, <laughs> I love Eddie Azard's, um joke about Engelbert Humperdinck. Anyway, he changes his name. It's not his given name, but he's like, uh, it could be George, da 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 Engelbert, wait, go back. Engelbert Humperdinck. Uh, so great. So I, There's I, a I, lot of things I'm trying to not jump in on, but I want to hear more about it's, this. I think we need to do a part two. Let's just yeah. put it that way. Like I said, I, all I was really looking forward to was, uh, you know, an hour and a half of concentrated yeah, yeah. you time. So the... He's she's she's I guess they're playing like her demo and he's sitting smoking a cigarette or whatever that's the sixties and he goes you know B you are great you're you're so great I, I, we think you even have you might be good good enough looking to be a, a, a head of a of a of a singing group you could be on stage we we think you could um, as opposed to, as as and also a singer songwriter or you know as a as a songwriter and he goes but but I do need to see you with your shirt off first and then man. And then she said, great, you take off your pants and then we'll talk. <laughs> and he goes, I like you, B. I like I this. Like I like this. Thing. Exactly. And so she fucking I totally... have almost as much respect for you as I do for most men. Exactly. Yeah. And my dad goes, you know, tells the story with pride that he would, he would be at our barbecues or whatever. And I'm like, that's not a great story. But she. <laughs> it's all like contextually. Isn't it funny? It was like, yeah, 2022. It was like, oh, my God, what a monster. 40 years ago you'd be like what a charming rat rascal that, that guy because he because he paid the bills but <laughs> like what all i could think about are the 50 other women that uh-huh. week that showed him that week <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. that went all right Lori jordy and chosen the, <laughs> the boobs and never has a career i think she has a yeah. career to whatever extent she did because she said take off your pants or whatever yeah. you know Chuck back so you brought that up because you have a long-standing cr- tradition of songwriting in your family and you did that 
for a hot You're minute. so good at this. Please be my co-host. So I'm listening. I'm a listener. Men don't ever listen to me. No, so, I don't do this for anybody else except when I'm on camera. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I'll bring on your wife next and we'll talk about how Yeah, she... I was just going to say, it was like, you want to ask about how, how would you grade this guy for listening? So real quick, um, I swear, I swear I have like lost some hearing as I've gotten older sure. and I, you know, just like if she's in the other room and something else is playing, I can't understand her. That's totally <laughs> we've, fair. We've gotten my hearing tested. They're like ship shape. And she's like, what the fuck? What? And I think it's one of those things that just like, as you grow older with somebody, you tend to just like, I don't have better words for it, but you tend to just like drop them in the mix. As yeah. And so I have to really concentrate sometimes. So yeah, if you had her on, she'd be like, Oh yeah. Ask him about missing uh, your kids you know, practice for this, that, and the, you know, like those things are like that thing that I reminded you three times before I left that. It was like, how'd that go? Yeah. Great listener. <laughs> I <laughs> to be that... fair, it's short-term listening. I'm you only mentioned this like four minutes ago. So I like... understood. I will not test you even a week from now, I, but I think you're <laughs> right. Like once you've gotten accustomed to somebody, it's not a dis. It's not disinterest, but it is like, I know, I'm pretty sure I know what they're going to say. And you've got yeah, something else. It, well, and the, the music's playing in the other room. We've got to <laughs> give you a little bit of a break. Just a little bit. Yeah. So anyway. Long story short, for a second, I thought I'll do singing songwriting. I was got my heart broken by a boy and I was right. I was very prolific. And so I wrote songs and songs and songs and performed them. But never did I feel more vulnerable, raw, or exposed, or uncomfortable than when I was on stage performing my own music by myself. It was mm -hmm. a sickening feeling for me, even yeah. though I had done theater since I was 11. And it wasn't the entire reason why I stopped doing it. Majority of the reason why I stopped pursuing music was I just didn't feel like I had to do it every day anymore. And so... I said, I can do acting every day. So that's, yeah. and I want to, and I, I just knew that I was also distracting myself. I will never regret what that, what I did, but it was, it was a distraction nonetheless. I want to say, I want to jump in with two things, slight tangents from that. So in reverse order, one, the story about being like just you on stage and exposed and everything. I totally get. Yeah. And I actually just heard a story of none other than Paul McCartney. The no. first time he's performing yesterday on like the Ed Sullivan Theater, the Ed Sullivan Show. And it's, as everybody knows, yesterday. <laughs> if you've ever heard the song yesterday. Hey, this is a great song. Um, <laughs> it's this song from a few years back. Uh, Jessica's grandmother did not write it, but no. it's still pretty damn good. Um, it's just him. So he's like, it was going to be just me, not the others. And as he was about to go on stage, you know, they have like that guy... Uh, who pulls the curtain back. Pulls the curtain, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who asked him, nervous? And he's like, oh, I don't know. He's like, I don't know. There's 60 million people watching. Paul McCartney, you know, like, <laughs> he's like, Jesus. You know, like, he just <laughs> freaks out for a minute. But then, on the other hand, I'm like, I don't think anybody knows the story is like, oh, the day that Paul McCartney fell to pieces and, you know, it worked out totally great for him. Um, so, but it, in a way... You are like Paul McCartney in that that is a real that is a real feeling to be like, it's just me. Yeah. Yes. This is a very walking out with a guitar. I feel weird carrying a guitar. I play a little. I feel weird carrying a guitar in my living room when like the mailman comes by because I'm like, oh, God, he's going to be like, oh, this good. Guy. Yeah. Let me check it out. Um, <laughs> so the other thing is 
Um, just because we were talking about Motown, um, I was thinking about them the other day, or about the idea of the Motown, the whole the institute. Um, I I I'm a sucker for any like list of people's favorite bands or the greatest this, the greatest that, and I'm I want to look and see how often the house band for Motown shows up in those lists. I, I'm just curious. So here's a long tangent. You just get this to be victim of it. You get to be victim of this. So yesterday is a great example. That is a song released by the Beatles, right? It is a song written by Paul McCartney, prim- sung only by Paul McCartney, but also features strings. Right. And I was going to have this conversation with another friend of mine. I was like, is that cheating? When we credit that, like John Lennon isn't playing those strings. I was like, right. Ringo isn't doing that stuff. And so, and then I was just like, okay, so how much credit do you give to this being the great band? And then I started thinking like, you know, that Motown band is frankly responsible for like half the great music of the sixties. How come we don't think of them the same way we do the Rolling Stones or, you know, pick any band, you know, like, because they're not just like, the same group of people who lived in a flat in the dirty part of town together. Although they, maybe they did. I don't know, but they could have based on probably what they were getting paid. Probably <laughs> they lived in Motown East, which is a garage. <laughs> um, They're moms, but they're I'm, mo- I'm, Mo's town. I got Mo's it. Sorry. Town, mom's town. Um, <laughs> boo town. Um, <laughs> but, I, I, but I was thinking about that and just, I don't know that uh, that idea of of what we consider groups and what we consider those things. And just because you mentioned the Motown thing, literally, I was thinking literally yesterday. I wonder how I would rank them as a band if you just expand your view, your scope of what a band is. It was like, yeah, they had rotating different singers. Big deal. Their bass their rhythm section is incredible. It's incredible. It's the it's the skill, right, that they're they're able to bring. But I think you do have to take into consideration composition. Cause like, mm-hmm. if you think even about the strings or the arrangement on any Beatles song, it's all Epstein and he's making that, like if you, if they mm-hmm. couldn't get someone or on the Martin. strings, uh, George, Martin, Martin. George Martin, right. Um, George Martin. Is that right? Yeah, George Martin. I get confused because George R. R. Martin and I want to shoot myself when I think it about is it. It's definitely not George R. R. Martin. I, I get confused. So Brian Epstein is like, the, he was manager, the manager he was the and then Martin was the one who's like, all right, we need French horn for this. So like yeah. you're dealing with, with geniuses when it comes to that, like something that people have been talking about lately is um, take Paul, Paul Simon's um, song uh, album, Graceland. Those uh, musicians from Africa were flown out Mm-hmm. to wherever he recorded it to record the album and they're only they were only paid as uh, day players but they yeah. wrote that album with him <laughs> yeah so that is something that's egregious but then when you take a studio session dudes are they just being told they're being told like what to do or like uh elvis, elvis costello's first album those guys basically composed that whole album for him he brought they brought demos in and in three days mm. they had full songs figured out but I, there, I think I think it's Elvis Costello's and the blah blah blah, but and the attractions. That's right. So the yeah. attractions are the ones who took those songs, and I mean Elvis, Elvis Costello being Elvis Costello, obviously. Right, but, but there's something to that. It, it's I I I'm always a sucker for this type of thing. So I, like I say, I hijack this, and it's interesting right? that it's interesting that you 
would say you started off more as a singer songwriter or like a musical performer than to trying trying to be break into the business solo. Right. Oh, like, okay, yeah. great. But, like but, I, but I, I feel like eleven, because... I was acting. So okay. Oh wow. Okay. Because yeah. I I I then maybe this doesn't track, but I always felt it was like. I know myself personally, if I, if everything would have worked out exactly the same, if I could have been in like a band or an improv thing, I probably would have like, Oh, I would love to have been in a band. That would have been amazing. Um, so yeah, I, 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 another, uh, I'll always hijack into music talk. So I'm glad we got there. I used to do, we actually rapped. It was with one of my friends that I met out in Los Angeles improv world. Um, she and I, did a show called Ramones of the Day <gasps> that was a podcast that went through every single Ramones song alphabetically. That's incredible. It was a lot of fun. And you just, we read a bunch of books and we like our opinions varied wildly and changed all the time. And, and, uh, but I got even more, I should say, really into the idea of who's responsible for this slash does it matter who's responsible for this? So like that Graceland thing is weird. It's almost like it plays into the idea. It was like, well, we, the world needs it to be Paul Simon is the, is this genius, you know? And like America kind of like celebrates the one, you know, it's like there's Elvis, True. Elvis Presley is the hero. And it's like, and he's got like really talented people behind him. And it's like, and Bruce Springsteen is the hero. And it's like, he's got this amazing. And crazy, incredible him. band. Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, yeah. And it doesn't always have, and yeah. Anyway, I was going to no, hijack a, into great... Ramones talk, but yeah, that's well. It's... And honestly, I think you have to make me a Ramones playlist because I never really give, d- dived into them at all. Dove dived dove. into them. Dove, dove, dived, dove, dived, dove. They are they dived. They are fun. They are fun in such a way that, like, they defy the odds that they became anything. Interesting. You know what I mean? There's like there is. We had a joke that. I'll borrow it from a college friend of mine, which was he noted how like it seemed like in most bands there were like three or like three, four or five people. Right. Most of which maybe would have been musicians in any other context. And then there's like a fifth person who like might have worked at an auto garage, you know. Right. Like the Beatles being an exception. But like for most bands, you could say like, okay, yeah, I mean, one thing goes south and that guy does not. But like, you know, if there's a long way to say, like, if the Beatles hadn't existed, it was like, I have, I'm pretty confident that Paul McCartney would have still become a musician. He would have done something. He was going to be a crooner. Yeah. The Ramones, the Ramones are unique in my mind, which is had they not like found each other to gel, they would have all just been like derelicts and in jail. Oh my God. Like they just, not all of them. Maybe Tommy would have been like more just music producer because he kind of was already, but they are was he like the tie that binds too like that sort of yeah, kept them together yeah yeah and they're an oddly democratic <laughs> i use that term very carefully because they're kind of not but in their success they they come about and and i think partly this is why molly and i i think especially gelled on it because we were both of the group mind improv world where oh interesting we are we are making something together that is better than the sum of our parts. Mm-hmm. So like you have Joey Ramone who does not look like Robert Plant. He does not <laughs> sing quite like Freddie Mercury. He is our singer. <laughs> We've got Dee, Dee who writes a ton of songs, 
but he also has like personality disorders and major chemical uh, imbalances, imbalances as well as intake. Uh, <laughs> he's our bassist. <laughs> um, we've he's got the most just, steady guy in the band. <laughs> well, we've got Johnny, who's technically the most steady, but he's also like a hard right conservative dude. And he wants things the way he wants them all the time. Only that do not Whoa. deviate from that. He's our guitar player. Whoa. And Tommy, Tommy is the guy who was a guitar player. It actually started out. Joey was a drummer, but he couldn't do it. So good. And sing. At the side. And well, Dee Dee was the singer, but he couldn't sing and play at the same time. So they said, well, Joey. How did they not give up? That's, this is what I'm saying. This is where it's it's kind of nuts. And this is why we how we got 170 episodes out of it, because we're just like, I can't believe this happened at all. But then they somebody said, and I think it was Tommy, recognized that it was like Joey kind of looks weird, but he also looks like nobody else on planet Earth, and he sings pretty well. So we will stand out by putting him up there. Wow. They convinced Tommy to play drums, even though he's not a drummer. But because he's a guitar player, he kind of invents a way to play drums. It was like, well, this is the way the Ramones play drums, which is like when they've brought in other drummers, they had two other drummers. Those other drummers are like better, quote, drummers. But they had to learn how to do the Ramones. Like, this is how we do it. <laughs> and like, that's what we do. And and so Tommy was sort of the glue guy where he had the vision to be like, and then it's it's this type of thing where we're like, just lower your expectations to be like at their first shows are hilarious because there's much more movement in a way. But in the when they fully form, then it's like, okay, Johnny, you are on that side of the stage. Didi, you are on that side of the stage. Joey, please do not let go of that microphone. You are pretty much just gonna hang on the microphone. And we are going to play our songs. Ready? Weird. Let's go. And and that's what they do. And yeah, I, I, I have gone on and on. Um, but you, but you uh, fascinated but yeah. me now. But they're, More but they, as they, like they, an are, they are insane characters. And some of their books are absolutely amazing. And some of them are like just questionable and weird. And they, but the, I, I'm not exactly sure how we got onto them. Other than the fact that if you let me talk long enough, I'm eventually going to mention, mention the Ramones. Um, well, and, and in case anyone uh, is interested, because God forbid, I'm sure they won't be. What is the uh, it's called, name of that podcast? It's called Ramones of the Day. It's cute. Oh, you uh, did say that already, but sweet. Ramones of the Day, where we go through every Ramones song alphabetically from 53rd to the letter, to the word zero. That was it. 53rd oh, to the word zero. Cute. They, they had, uh, yeah, 53rd and third's the first one, and then zero zero ufo i think is the last song zero yeah. zero UFO. but they but they uh yeah they were a weird they were a weird obsession of mine and then became even more so the more i learned about them and and the show is fun we actually got to talk to uh cj ramon um who replaced dd in the band oh wow um yeah uh so real quick i'm like here's more name droppy stuff this is not on the scale of jordan peele but we got to interview CJ and we did it like in the dawn of Zoom. So it's not quite uh, this that we're doing. But yeah, this is amazing and no one's going to see it, but it is amazing. But I mean, like just the fact that how easily we you were like, oh, here's the link. And I'm like, yeah, totally. sure. I mean, like it's we had so to like simple. coax him through it, you know. Um, so we did we recorded four episodes with him, talked about four different songs. 
we started every show with we had a little theme song and we would always introduce it by saying hey which it's any ramones fans out there will recognize most of their shows started with joey saying something like hey we're the ramones and this is and they'd play a song and before they played the song dd or the bass player cj would say one two three four and then they play so we did our intro where Molly and I would just switch back and forth and we'd say, hey, we're Ramones of the Day and this is the song we're discussing. And the other person would say one, two, three, four. So we got so like our if you listen to like maybe the third or fourth episode, not only will you hear this element, you will also hear us be really giddy because Molly figures out we're talking to only one of two people who ever shouted one, two, three, four for the Ramones. And we're like, CJ, could you say one, two, three, four for our show? And he's like, oh, my sure. gosh. And so he does it and we're like, I mean, it's so simple, but we were so pumped. Well, (laughs) that's that's a huge thing. That's a huge thing. Yeah. Yeah. We were, we were, we were excited. There's a world soon where I get to talk to a creator of a thing that I like, and I'm really (laughs) just trying to sit on my hands and be like, you're, it was tough, man. Yeah. But that's fun though. Because he was, he was he was an outsider coming in and therefore I don't think I'm speaking on a turn way more like level-headed. Like he was talking to a human being. I cannot imagine talking to Joey, Johnny or Dee Dee because they are not human. Like they are, they don't, this conversation you and I've had, this doesn't happen (laughs) based on my studies. This can't operate and I'm terrified of it. But with him, I was like, oh, well, this is a human being I can actually, can actually relate to. to. And he he responds in, in <laughs> you know, like, you know, we're we're communicating and eye contact is happening. You know, it's like, yeah. Uh, but I still got that little, like you say, sitting on your hands and be like, don't freak out. Do you have anybody that you would say, like, I know it wouldn't be Scarlett Johansson because you still. Well, no, but I didn't even get to her. finish the whole story. But no, in the best way. Oh, yeah. But. But 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 please ask the ask the question. I was going to ask: Is there anybody? Is there anybody for you that you would like flip out? Because I I just remembered I have another one through IO also that I flipped out about. But what do you have one that you? I I mean, there's probably too many lists, but I think Paul McCartney really? would be one. Yeah. Because like you got to it would be amazing to meet a Beatle before he dies. Because yeah. I'm a John girl, but okay. I do love Paul. Yeah. Um, and I think I'd flip out if I met. Dave Matthews, I think. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Wow, Dave Matthews. I wasn't expecting. I, I love, I love him. I loved him, and I, I would just probably dance in front of him. Yeah, I'd sure. Be, I'd be so weird. <laughs> I got to do this. We were doing a show. Uh, it was a tournament at I/O, and it's funny. This, it was an oddly star-studded tournament because in the same run of shows, we were USS was winning, but one show we did. As we were waiting to go on, Zach Efron came in and he was like, are we? And we were almost like, are you in the wrong place? Why are you in? It wasn't even the main stage. It was the back one. And he was like, oh, Weird. we're here for the improv show. And I'm like, yeah, it's right through here. And then we all looked at each other like, what the hell? But that wasn't even the one. The one that I flipped out about that I remember. Yeah, you I don't flip like, out about Zach Efron. You're just like. Not, partic- not particularly, yeah. but I was like trying to explain, like get my wife's attention to the show. I was like, Zach Efron's here. Um the one that I flipped out about, but I still was like, I have to go talk to this guy, um, is Paul Dini. Do you know who Paul Dini is? I don't know that name, no. Paul Dini uh, is one of the writers and eventually producer 
on the Batman animated series. He is the creator oh. of Harley Quinn. Oh, he wrote. Well, that's incredible. He wrote Heart of Ice. He like the show's Emmy winning show. He, basically, every awesome origin <laughs> episode from that show, he is largely responsible. You know, you you know, you're the only person that's ever recognized him ever, right? Like well, maybe, I, especially in the context of an improv theater. Because, like, I've seen totally. him a couple times, like, at a comic book store, but you can tell, like, oh, he's going to get bothered. So he, you know. Oh, I see. Because that's, that's also his. That's his That's his realm. Yes. But I'm, we're warming up, and I look over there, and I'm like, that's Paul Dini. And I turn to my other performers, and I'm like, oh, my God, Paul Dini's here. And they're like, who the fuck is Paul yeah. Dini? Yeah. And so I'm literally wearing a Batman sweatshirt. No. And I realized it was like, this is so lame. But, I mean. This guy was like, I wrote about him in college. This was, I have to go talk to him. You have to go talk. You wrote and then it. I, come on. And I did. And I think I, I was okay enough. And his wife uh, was very nice. Uh, she's a magician. Um, and Ooh, uh, in bed yeah. and out of bed. Sorry. It's I don't like, know. It was like hilarious. But That's then we incredible. did a show. But then we did a show and they both said that we did all right. And I'm like, oh, that was awesome. But that was one of mine where I'm like, get it together because you're not going to have another chance to meet this person that you just like revere highly. And, you know, like, get it together. That's incredible, though. Yeah, I, I will excited. say I did. I don't know that I did it well with Alanis Morissette, who mm. uh, she's one of three major influences for how my singer-songwriter stuff went. Okay. So it's like her, Jewel, and No Doubt were... That so if, if I'm wow. Danica Lumen because of when I was born, yes, that's, yes, those are that's my involvement. That all tracks. Don't 100%. you love that? Don't you love that kind of honesty too? That like, so I I have a bad habit of like, I feel like it's going to come off like a backhanded compliment, and it's not. But I, I you you couldn't defend me if you were going to well, if you if you were writing a story and you were about a woman who was going to be influenced by '90s artists there's a hundred percent those three i doubt but i doubt jewel would be in there necessarily oh. unless they were being really honest because ah. frankly because frankly it was like jewel's legacy is not as big as those other two and she's probably in there more because she was super popular at and that i'm not saying she wasn't good but at that point in time and like that's i i like thinking about that sort of stuff to be like you are not how do i say this in some movies or, you know, biopics or whatever, it seems like everybody is only influenced or listening to the greatest music of the era. And I'm like, it's not all like the not everyone's listening to Bob Dylan all the time. Why is everybody doing that? And like somebody has to be listening to the garbage. And I'm not saying that Jewel is garbage. And I'm not saying you were influenced by the band garbage. <laughs> I, um, I actually wasn't. But but I like but I like that you have that in there just like yeah this is like why wouldn't i be i was a woman growing up in the 90s they're the big three you're totally right i, I think it took me a long time to understand because like everything that's big in that era is big and i didn't mm -hmm. understand the concept of one hit wonder because like this is the best song i've ever heard and then yeah. you never hear from them again and obviously jewel isn't a one hit wonder but even alanis morissette her stuff just doesn't hit the same way after the first album. Maybe no. like, it's just not the same. She, is she huge and amazing and totally capable singer songwriter? Absolutely. Yeah. But she's never, she's at her best when she's 19. Don't That's you just, think that, don't you think too, that like, 
like I said, music, I can talk about music. I was thinking about this the other day that like, I think most bands, the Beatles are the, ex are a total exception for a million reasons. Not the least of which being that their best work and their most popular work is not the first stuff. Right. Right. You know that like, I think most bands like, that's kind of how it is. I, I might get a chance to go on a, uh, on an Oasis podcast. Um, because of me doing remote, you know, like a music yeah, thing and they yes. also are doing a thing. Uh, yeah, this guy's doing an Oasis podcast. I mean, there's a band that was like, for, especially for most Americans, it was like, first two albums are great. And did they stay together? You know, but like they, they imploded, though, too. They did. But I mean, but after six albums, like they, they oh. did so much and they're so big. But the, my point is, I even think to super fans. If you asked what their favorite Oasis album is, it's probably going to be one of the first two. Wonderwall or and, whatever. Yeah, it's going to. And, and the or, same uh, thing. The same thing Glory. with all those guys. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. But I, I feel my... that way about all those people. Like the breakout is often all we see. The Ramones is the same way. You're like the most important things are like the titular album. So, I'll fight for those other ones. But culturally, it's not as big. I wonder if that's not a result of marketing to some extent absolutely because like you, you listening to so like let's take oasis a uk band and radiohead a uk band you hear mm -hmm. tom york talking about they fucking hit the pavement really hard and mm -hmm. they came out to america right after uh pablo honey is released and they fucking went we're not gonna just become a one-hit wonder over the pond we're gonna right grind it out and then you get because of that I think because of that, you get OK Computer. The Benz comes out, and then I think it's the Benz and OK, and then, then it's OK. A. But I think they did like the 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 tour circuit really hard in America at like yeah. circa the Benz, and then because the reason he was I was reading about it is he was talking about how OK C Computer was born out of a sincere amount of paranoia because he had been on the road for too long, okay. <laughs> just like all the electronics yeah. of it. All, you, you can hear it in that album too. But I wonder, does do they get? I had someone criticize the Radiohead to me, going, "Oh yeah, their first album was grunge, so it's not like they were that original." And I was like, "People can change. They can do <laughs> different music and get better." Well, that, I think they're another exception too, because yeah, their first album is kind of grunge, but it's definitely not where they go or where they end up at I all. Mean, and they never—they're never static. It is. I—I I wouldn't say I'm like a super Radiohead fan, but I—I definitely followed them and. They, they almost become something else so that now them releasing an album is the thing as opposed to this album is a big splash. You know what I mean? It's, it's, yes. the, it's the, it's that marketing end of it. It'd be like, it's a big deal. I remember I got to see them once at a festival and I actually got to write about the festival. Like I was oh. sent there, I was sent there to cover it. And, okay. And Hunter S. Thompson. Yeah, I know. Let's go. <laughs> we were five miles out no um the uh <laughs> um it was in san francisco and the and i can't remember when it was it was like 2006 oh yeah so uh what's the one with uh like 15 step the one oh, they yeah. released for free yeah was out whatever that is called uh in rainbows yep. um and they they were a headliner for one night and um, the next night was Tom Petty. So this is quite a fest. Holy um, shit. Uh, so uh, and in between them, like not headlining was Beck. I'd never seen Beck before. Oh, my um, God. What a fun night. It was awesome. But the, my point with them was 
everybody's queued up to see Radiohead because they just released this album that, like, it, I wouldn't say it's revolutionized. Return, it wasn't a return to form or anything, but everybody was kind of like more jazzed about it than one of the, the last one, ones or whatever. One, yeah. And they come on, and there's like, there were a couple audio issues. If you're really far back, you couldn't quite hear stuff, mm. and it was rainy and kind of gross. And then at one point, then they like they kind of recognized it. They got stuff fixed and then they played the song, the national anthem. And I remember like sitting up my friend and I like, like standing more for it where we're like the greatest band currently is saving us. Like this is, they are, we are one. We have, we have all like, there was something that's so pretentious, but it's like, Oh my God, this is what we all need. And it's like playing through and you're like, yeah we we back on track and then you know then they played the rest of because because that whole album or like they were huge comment they made huge commentary about our war and everything we were going through at that point uh it's interesting that you had such a profound experience with them i too (laughs) did at Coachella, which R.I.P. Oh. I'll never go to again. And there's a whole nother story. Another emotion RIP, around yeah, it. Sorry you broke up, Coachella. Yeah, it's never going to happen for me again. But I had a great experience. They were playing. It was like the second time they had ever played. And I, they're a huge band for me, formative. Mm. And my dad likes them. And so it just was, you know, oh, okay. a lot of my music taste came from my father. And he, he, get it, he understood Radiohead. So we got it, too. Anyway. The first hour was all their electronic stuff and, again, shit that people weren't 100% interested. So people started stupidly dispersing and they were like the headliner for the night. So like... I never get it. Right? It, like, I, I, I'm going to I'm gonna no, really quick please, interrupt, but please. I remember I remember when the first time I saw the Rolling Stones was in 1997. And yeah, people like showed up late. And... and a fr- what are you a fr- doing? A, a friend of mine was like, do you have better things to do? <laughs> like what was this, hap- what else was happening tonight? You know, Radiohead's on stage. Like, even if it like, don't you want to watch the whole thing to then be say like, yeah, I watched the whole thing and I wasn't that into it. But then you know, like, I was even there? if you're not into it, I can't, I can't, I don't get it. I totally get it. And they literally probably went to go see ASAP Rocky, and it was a joke. Like, I don't understand. <laughs> and it was better for me. And it, even my friends were like, oh well, call me when you know. uh, you know, subterranean homesick alien, whatever comes yeah. out. I was like, <laughs> no. I knew it was going to happen. <laughs> exactly. I was like, have fun. But again, so it was like, it was like lightly drizzling. And uh, the night before I had accidentally done speed. And so <laughs> okay, it was an interesting Coachella experience yeah. to the point where I didn't realize that the last act of that evening was outdoors because it was the Swedish house mafia. And I was like, my arms were like perma. It was amazing, but it was mm-hmm. also crazy. So I, I, go, I used to go to Coachella and do Molly. And so by this point, I was just on Molly and having a really chill time. People were dispersing because it was songs I didn't want to hear. So for where we started in, you know, like the E section, we got to like slowly move up. And then they started playing the songs, everything, you know. Mm-hmm. And then they did six encores, maybe four. Wow. But by that point, too, because it's like one in the morning, people are leaving and so we just got to weave up to like one of the front sections and it was just magical and peaceful That's and awesome. bonding. And yeah, yeah, so music, man, we we I, should do a whole section. on. I was going to say, I was going to say two things with Great. that if I can. Yeah, I know, no, I know no we're rush. at time. 
We have other no, it's guests, just a other guests to get to. It's a catch all. It's a catch all. Um, I, I, that experience of like people saying, you know, call me when they do this. It's weird to me. And we, we talked about this in the Ramones show because primarily they tried to play the same type of thing, but it isn't exactly the same. And you could make a distinction and say like, well, the Ramones need to do this type of music for me. You know, and the same thing with your friends with the with Radiohead. It was like they need to do this. I mean, like it's strange, and I know I'm guilty of it too. But it's like it's strange how we do that to musicians to be like, what I want from you is, <laughs> you know, like totally like, like that type of demand. Then I was gonna say that I I won't let any concert experience go by without talking about the time I saw Prince. Um, because you reminded me of it because of six encores. Um, <laughs> Because we saw him, my wife and I saw him in Chicago in 2000. Wow. And I remember because it was around the time, it was between presidents. Like we'd had the election, but they had not certified it. Wow. And it was also, he had just reclaimed his name. So he was no longer- So he was no longer the formally- Right. (laughs) He was formally known as the artist formerly known as Prince. (laughs) Right. Formerly known as formerly known No one's ever made that joke before, right? No. (laughs) No, no. Um, He also- had not been playing hits as much. And this mm. was the tour that he was like, I'm going to play the hits. So <gasps> I defy you to name a song other than 1999 and seven that we did not see. And, and he played a zillion encores too. And at the same time, now we did not have people leaving, even though he started kind of late, but it was that you reminded me of it because of that same experience where like, we're all sort of pushing forward, but we're not hurting each other and we're all sweating, but everyone is like really good. And, and it was, it, it's still the best thing I've seen <laughs> It is incredible. Everybody, it, the hype was real for that dude. He was it, it, absolutely it is like emotional, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And it's, and it's everything along the lines of like, he did everything great and you're watching him. I'm watching him and I'm like, I never saw James Brown or Jimi Hendrix, but I feel like I, I don't have did. to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, are we here? Like, this is really happening. And then you just layer on top of that of just like the songs are so, amazing. I have to be honest. I will say before I break your oh heart. My God, this is going to be terrible. It is. Listen to I, the mistake she's going to make, everybody. This she is, is setting herself up for something. Well, no, it's just honesty. That's okay, all. Fine, fine. But I will say Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth did yes. yell at me when I left during an encore when he was just doing a, you know, like just a small show in an art house because I had to shit my pants so bad. <laughs> that is not the story I was expecting. At well, all. no, it's not. But I just. Did thought, you get to shout it back? No, Sorry, I should have. I, I should have. I was still too young. I was still too embarrassed. Today, Jessica would be like, you want me to shit in the stage, man? Like, I don't know what you want. But he was like, I guess these two can't hang. And it was a bad, it was all bad. What I was going to say about Mr. Prince, I I was born in the wrong era. Yeah. I don't know much about him. And the allure is not the same for it. me as for other people. That being said, I have a friend named Mike Delonzo who I'm going to have on the show and I'm going to have him correct me and you're welcome to join. But it's, it's not a, it's not a correction at all. Um, but like, I'm the person who didn't realize how insanely influential prolific. Michael Jackson was until he died. Oh, oh okay. 
just because it was just not something that was being played. We were okay. I was just a little too young. It just wasn't in the house. Not even your grandma's songs. <sighs> Strangely, no. <laughs> wow. Strangely, okay. no. It just was. It just was. What was? I, I didn't have a lot of like go get them when it came to music. I was like, mm-hmm. ooh, what is coming in? Uh, sure. I only yeah. liked yeah, yeah. Dave Matthews because a boy liked the, you know, him. And, and it was I, big. I mean, it was. The mid '90s, oh, where I was when I was well, in college, I, that album played. You walked. There was a period where you walked through every dorm, and it was under the table and dreaming, twenty four seven. You're not wrong. I came to it in two thousand. Oh wow! Okay, so hmm. you know, which is a weird time to come to it, but yes, I went. I went backward. I know the whole discography, but okay. I. Again, it was just all different. I, I, one of the things that we've talked about many times on this podcast over is being gatekeeping, which you're not doing that at all. We're just like, you can't believe you don't know Prince. And it's like, <laughs> it just didn't happen. It just. No, I get it. There's, I'm sure there's tons of, you know, black holes that I. Exactly. Black holes is a perfect way to put it. Yeah. It's perfect way. Though I can, I know, I know his whole thing. I know the magnificence, magnificence that are, surrounds him. I just have to be honest. Everyone talks about Prince as oh, yeah. though. So everyone feels the same. I just I can't share in that. I get it, and, and, and honestly, not everybody does feel the same. My my co-host from the Ramones show was not down. I get it. It it, it can happen. People I just believe be, in being honest when it comes to that stuff. That's people can be in. people can be wrong, Jess. That's fine. You um, know what, Philip? No. I think that's what we. I think that's our takeaway for today. <laughs> no, it, it yeah it, it it. I also think I think we're finding this now with things like you know, the golden age of TV where there's just, there's a lot out there. You can't possibly, you cannot hold all of it. And so you love what you love and that's enough. So just do that. Prince did fine. You know, he's, well, and like, he's wonderful. Us, he's doing just fine. Well, and that, I guess that's what I mean is it's as opposed to going, Oh, I can't believe you don't know it, which you're not doing that is now's a great opportunity to go, Hey, let me make you a pod. Like, uh, let me make you a playlist or listen to this one song or like, it's better to be able to ex- not expose, but like introduce somebody to that as opposed yeah, to right? keep them on the other side of the fence. Yeah. Uh, because I was the kid who lied for a long time ago. I saw that movie. For sure. Definitely <laughs> saw that movie. I wait until yeah. someone started saying words to be like, oh, that line, you know, yeah. or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Oh, if right. you can't tell, the entirety of my young adulthood was born out of crippling social anxiety. Mm. And if, if, if improv did anything for me, it was take me away from that. So nice. the, the version of the story, like basically – the singer-songwriter nervous girl was also nervous going into improv. And then now I just don't care about anything. And it's awesome. Like, yeah. so that's, that's what my improv gift was. That's good. Yeah. I, now get, I, that's the Del Close, the Del Close thing is another acolyte thing, but I, I still do it. And I make my wife do this when she has to like speak in front of class or something. Supposedly he would get nervous before shows. And then he would say like, ah, fuck it. And, that was what he said right before he walked out. Wow. It was like, yeah, who cares? Wow. Yeah. No, literally no one cares. No and one. And if you just go out there fine. and go, bleh. <laughs> Everyone's really grateful when someone else can take the reins too. Yes. Even if it's saying, hey, I don't know what the reins are right now, but let's go figure it out. I, at least right. that's been my experience. I, the majority of my social anxiety is gone because of antidepressants, experience, and improv, right? Like at a certain point, you just got to be oh. like, 
I've I've, li- I've lived enough awkward experiences to know I'm gonna make it through that one. Yeah. Yeah. This we'll probably have another. There. We'll probably have another one. I'll be okay then too. Right now. Yeah. Um, no, this is like this was delightful. I really. Yeah. I think we do need to come back and talk more about just anytime. music, even. Um, anytime. Anytime. This was as delightful as I thought it was going to be. If oh. you had one takeaway from today, like, oh, I I learned this, or I want people to walk away with this experience. What What would you? Tell me I'm a great host. Oh, wow. Uh, well, I, I would say that you are a very good host. Um, <laughs> oh, thanks. I, 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 you are. You 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 incorporate uh, a nice amount of flexibility and listening and engagement that then makes it a conversation that I hope is entertaining for That's people. all I want. It's, but it's entertaining I, I, for me to, exactly. to do. That's right. Oh, no. Yeah, oh, thank you so much for I'm that sure organic compliment. Thank you. <laughs> I didn't write it down or anything. It's right. <laughs> no, I didn't push it out of you either. <laughs> What's one thing great you could say about me? <laughs> what did you think of me? Uh, no, it was a lot of fun. I'm glad. And yeah, anytime. Anytime your co-host has kids, I'm down. That's, this is easy. That's an easy, we didn't even talk about your kids and the generation you're raising. There's so much to talk about. Um, and, yeah, and I would actually. Yeah, we don't have enough time for that. Well, I would love for you to meet Nick and we always have guests on. We don't Great. always, but we have, yeah, yes. Nick, yeah, yeah. you and him would hit it off for sure. We'll uh, see. So what website should they go to to find your book or anything else? They should find me online. Um, and the easiest way is to look up my book, which is called The Murderous Haircut of the Mayor of Bel Air. Uh, it's an easy search. If you look up murderous haircut, Philip, I think I come up. Um, my name is Philip Mottas, which is difficult to spell M O T T A Z. Uh, but if you look up murderous haircut of the mayor of Bel Air, uh, that is my murder mystery. The first psychic barber mystery series. The debut. Yeah. No one can say that they have ever read anything like that. And they have heard your, uh, your commercial and they will probably hear it during this. Oh yeah. You'll find it in the liner notes. I can't wait to Lots read of it. Me. Lots That's, of me. It's it's a you. Yeah, they're they're you. Oh, they're saturated with you. Now. They're saturated. This is the yeah media blitz. That's my, <laughs> that's my nickname. <laughs> I'm really good at PR. I'm really I'm helping you indirectly. I've, I've got I have gone on other podcasts to like talk about the book and like do that sort of thing. And I found my goal because it's not like I'm going on, you know. Uh, cnn's book talk right i'm doing independent podcasts which i love right my goal my goal is like i have to try to get the host to read it like that, that's what i gotta do is like if, if i can get them to do it great that's so, not a bad way you start you start insidiously you yes just, this is how i build my cult it's very smart i like it well yeah. you sold me on it i'll finally read it i'll look nice. forward to my <laughs> it free took an copy. hour but i got her down in there you got me finally after mentioning I, it for months i had to i had to be like well, she's not going to go for Prince. I don't know if she's going to do the Ramones. I wore her down on those. Like, I got to, she's got to agree to something. I got to, I am amenable to some extent. <laughs> not no. fully, but anyway, this was my pleasure. And thank you for being my guest. Yeah, thank you. Good night. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.
That does it for this week, Nichols. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of You Don't Know Nick. There are many different ways you can support our podcast. One of them is going to youdon'tknownick.com and finding out all the different places you can listen to our show. You can also follow us on Good Pods, which is basically Instagram for podcasts. Not only can you follow your favorite shows, you can listen to them right there in the app. If you're interested in finding some You Don't Know Nick merch or Jessica Lynn Verney merch, go to subtlegeek.spreadshirt.com. And if you're not already, consider becoming a Patreon member. You can get exclusive swag and early access releases to episodes if we're able to get them to you in a timely manner. Go to patreon.com slash you don't know Nick. And if you haven't already, leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Nichols.